0: Good. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Um, these off. I'm not able to see anything. Um, my name's Nick. I'm married to Vicky, who's uh, on the front row. I was going to say something lovely about you, but I thought, all oh, right, actually. She
1: <laughs> is lovely. Yeah.
0: Uh, I was going to say my biggest fan, um, or something around there. So, um, thank you. Uh, this uh, seminar is on missions. So it's on partnering with God, and it's a preemptive uh, seminar before our our conference we're going to be having in June with Mark Fields so that's also going to be called Partnering with God but it's going to look at something um, in a lot more detail and we've got Mark coming over who's very much, uh, he probably wouldn't say it but he's very much an expert on mission, has a a doctorate um, in mission thank you we would do it at the end, that's fine so we've got a whole of these uh, leaflets or flyers and we'll talk a little bit more about that towards the end There's also some of these brochures around, um, which is just to explain some of the stuff we're going to be talking about today. And I also want to have some opportunity for people to ask questions. Um, It might be better to ask questions at the end, uh, just a bit sort of face-to-face, but if you've got a question you think would help lots of people, then we'll try and make some time for that. Uh, I also have a whole load of different people who um, I've asked to share today, who are are some of our mission partnership leaders. uh, And... They are really the heroes um, within our movement as they support the heroes that are actually out there um, planting churches in very difficult situations. So my own um, or our own journey kind of into missions was uh, being invited to go to Malawi and I shared that the other day. And just experiencing such a profound moment on that that hill that I showed the, the photo looking down into the onto the valley, just a profound moment of just seeing how uh, people like Tom and Ali were empowering local people to be really sort of independent and make a difference across a wide uh, area. And uh, I want you we just pray, and I'm just going to just uh, share something from the Bible, and then we're going to go straight on to the other stuff. So Jesus, I thank you for this moment right now. And Jesus, I do believe that there's people in this room who are just wondering uh, what you're calling them to and where you're calling them to. And Lord, I pray that you would confirm something in them right now. Lord, as they hear from me, but most importantly, as they hear from you, they would hear your voice. Lord, that they'd uh, be prepared, they'd be ready. They'd know that you will be with them wherever they go. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So I'm standing on the top of this hill uh, overlooking this rural area in Malawi. And what came back to me is that bit in Act 16 where uh, Paul is asleep in the middle of the night. And in the night, it says during the night, he has a vision of a man from Macedonia standing there and begging him come and help us and when i don't know if you've ever been to a particular place or a particular group of people and god captures your heart and i'm sure that's, that's what happened for you guys going to malawi and um, pretty much all of our mission partnership leaders we've we've visited somewhere and that cry of come and help us um has come to us we thought we've got to do something and for paul he changes all his plans and right there and then they they change and they they Instead of going one way, they enter into what's going to be Europe. So they enter into uh, that whole area that goes into Philippi, and it's the gateway into Europe. Um, and then they meet people like Lydia, who was a, a dealer in purple cloth. I don't think it's an accident that uh, the colour we were given by Vineyard Church's UK for missions was this purple colour. Because I really think that there's that moment in that book of Acts where... And, and uh, someone said the other day how you know, purple is the colour of, of bishops as well, and that, that apostolic sending sort of colour. Um, so what we're all about is three main things. One is how are we going to accomplish what God has called us to do? How are we going to go to unreached people groups? How are we going to uh, plant churches both here in the UK and elsewhere? Uh, how are we truly going to extend God's kingdom together, everywhere, in every way. So our goal is really to facilitate church planting movements uh, internationally by serving and raising up indigenous leaders to pastor their own communities. So we come alongside and we we help rather than harm. And quite often, if you've got any experience of mission, quite often the, the history of mission is that people have gone and they've done more harm than help. And so what my passion is, is how do we truly help other communities? rather than just um, massage any sense of guilt that we might have uh, um, on our own um, part. Um, The second thing is uh, to equip. We have a vision to equip. We're committed to training and developing indigenous leaders to bring true and lasting transformation into their communities. Um, Our goal is to equip and empower people for the purpose of mission, justice, and compassion. And so we've got that tension within missions in Vineyard Churches UK and Ireland, where we've got many, many churches that are doing compassion and justice projects and supporting particular projects, but we've also got this call to help in the form of church planting. And I think one of the, 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 the key things that we need to really kind of think through and strategize about is how do we do both? How is it both and? How is it both church planting and compassion and justice? I think many, many people are struggling or working through how you can do that in a, an effective way. And we don't have all the answers. Okay, so this is kind of a, I want almost this, this day today, if you've got any of those sort of answers, then I would love to have a conversation with you. And then thirdly um, is to partner. We're committed to partnering with local leaders, serving and honouring them as they fulfil their call to make disciples. Our goal is to build healthy, Relationships and engaging in two-way cross-cultural mission, the the partnerships really provide the the kind of accountability and encouragement necessary for pastors and churches to remain focused on what they s- may seem sometimes like a, a an overwhelming task. Um, so what I want to do is I want to just highlight five mission values, and these are these are shared by. Uh, vineyard churches across the world. There's something like nearly 3,000 vineyard churches across the world in over 100 countries. And uh, we've got some clear sort of guidelines or missiological foundations. I want to just share some of those and then we're going to unpack kind of five key areas that we're going to look at in terms of how do we do uh, collaboration well. How do we work effectively in partnerships? So the five... um, Mission values. The first one is local church based mission. We believe that this is God's plan A for global change that's always, always has been and always will be through the local church. Uh, Churches are really gatherings of disciples. And if we focus on making disciples, really the inevitable fruit of that is churches are formed. Um, So we focus on disciples who make disciples and then churches that plant churches. Uh, there's a common commitment to the local church as being pivotal to God's plan for world evangelization. And there's agreement that the responsibility that evolves from this cannot be just delegated to others. So as a vineyard church, we want to be working with other vineyard churches around the world. Um, the second one is that we want to develop um, church plants and church planting movements We want to plant kingdom-centred, healthy, culturally relevant vineyard churches that plant churches, which are in turn then being released as national vineyard movements. We believe there's a whole world out there that obviously need and want to meet with Jesus. And we've been given, as, as Eleanor Mumford said yesterday, a sacred trust there's something special about Vineyard. That's why I'm part of Vineyard. There's something, uh, there's something in terms of that, that authenticity and that informality of how we follow Jesus and make Jesus real. And it isn't, it's not about the, and just another religion. And I love being part of this family. And we want more of those sort of churches right across the world. Um, but we also want to honour others through – and some people don't like this word – the incarnational mission, and incarnation is really just living and being uh, like Jesus, doing the sort of things that He would do, um, having that cultural awareness and that contextualization. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. In a little bit, we want to honour the people that we're being called to. We want to share as much of their lives and our lives and the lifestyle and language and build long-lasting relationships. You want to connect with people on a, on a face-to-face level. It's not just good enough to send emails and to Skype call, but we want to actually sit down. Something, something happens when you sit down and have a meal with somebody, or you stay in their house for a couple of days. So um, just the end of last year, um, uh, in, I think it must have been November, um, Dave Vinyl, who leads our India partnership, uh, we'd been to the National Leaders Conference, and I got an opportunity to go and uh, stay with a guy called Naresh. who lives in Shillong, which is in uh, northeast India. And um, he picked me up. Uh, so it was a taxi journey from the, the airport, and then he picked me up, and he's got this really beat up uh, micro van. You know, it's kind of like a really, I don't know if it's a Daihatsu or something, but it's it was pretty much falling apart, and there was only one seatbelt. And uh, it was kind of my seatbelt, but it kind of went across, he actually, so the, there was kind of like the, we both had seatbelts, but only the, the kind of the grabby thing was working on my side, but if there was police around, he had to use the seatbelt. So I'm sitting there, not having a seatbelt, and we're driving around uh, Shillong at a, a fair pace, he's quite a good driver, um, <laughs> and then he starts singing. And he starts singing, and I think oh, he's going to sing this amazing kind of local Indian song, but he starts singing Careless Whisper by George Michael. <laughs> and he's going, oh, I'm never going to dance again. And I'm like, what on earth? And there's just this moment of, you know, on a Skype call, he's not going to do that. But driving around and him feeling that relaxed and just that building that friendship, that all of a sudden he's just breaking out into this song, and it's like, and then getting that ability to actually just tease him relentlessly about that for the next three days, and it's those moments when you can start to build that friendship with people, and and find that you've actually got another brother in Christ, and it's those sort of moments, so it's it's honoring others as we're doing this. Um, Fourthly, uh, developing local leaders and the release of national leadership. Our aim, as in any vineyard church, is to identify, recruit, train, deploy, monitor, nurture, release uh, local leaders. And we want to do that on an international scale as well. And then fifthly, we want uh, transparent and open communication and cooperation. We want to foster relationships where we're communicating well with each other. We know how to deal with conflict well how to make decisions well, how to uh, be accountable to one another. We want to honour our family by working together, cooperating and communicating between different AVCs as well. So there's a history, for example, in Malawi where the South African vineyard churches have been uh, working in Malawi as well as the UK is just starting in terms of a, a partnership. But it's how do we work well between other AVCs? And so John here, who works in Kenya, is is connecting in with the the Kenyan AVC because they've been released as a national movement, um, but working alongside them as well. So it's working alongside um, people where there are no vineyard churches, but also working with other AVCs. So we have um, 15 partnerships at the moment. Uh, So you saw this map the other day on, on Wednesday, And we've got some of the people in those different partnerships are going to share a little bit later. Um, Our focus over the next five years is to have more involvement from local churches in the UK with those partnerships. So some of those partnerships have been going for a number of years and I'm concerned or we're concerned about some of the health of them. Not in a bad way, but if if one of those churches can no longer uh, be involved with that, that partnership might end up stopping. So we want to have more than one church in the UK partnering with those various different countries. And thankfully, we've got a number of uh, those partnerships where there's two, three, or four. We want to raise the number of churches um, that are involved with those various different partnerships. Uh, We've also got a meal this evening with our partnership leaders. So those of you that are partnership leaders will be talking a little bit more about that This evening, but please pray for us tonight if you remember as we meet together and talk through some of this stuff. So, let me just give you some definitions. We're going to come back to that in a short while. Um, No, I'm going to go back to that. So, a partnership is really a coming together of a group of local vineyard churches with the express aim of planting a church planting movement amongst a particular people group or within a particular nation. And that's kind of an agreed statement that all our partnerships are saying this is what we're going to be about. We're going to be looking at building churches, planting churches that plant churches. And it's really churches doing together what no one church can do alone. There's something incredibly powerful when more than one church comes together and they start to share experience, share resources. So some definitions. A partnership is formed when a group of churches agree to join their resources together to pursue what God has called them to do? I just realised I've got a photographer in. And I've got one sleeve rolled up and one sleeve rolled down. And when I look at that, if that ever makes it, my OCD will kick in. And why did I not just stop and roll up both sleeves? How sad is that? Or vain. I'm not sure if that's sad or vain. There you go. Shoot away now. So... Um, <laughs> Secondly, uh, we we have a common commitment and an equal voice that's shared by each church. And it might be a different level of sacrifice, but there's an equality and there's an an energy uh, that's directed towards seeing churches developed and planted, that everyone gets a voice in that partnership. Um, Thirdly, we want each church to share in the vision and in the development of a strategy that brings fulfillment to God's call for their churches. So how do we move forwards together? Uh, We also, um, a partnership allows (coughs) small to medium-sized churches to make a significant contribution towards the accomplishment of the Great Commission. It's not just the large church that has the the partnership that, that takes the lead. It might be a smaller church that takes the lead, but everyone shares in that partnership. Together, a partnership is able to do things that a small single church can't do. Uh, when you start to pull those resources, you pull those, those, those teams together, the finances, there's so much more that we can do together than when we just go it alone. And then lastly, the host country is a key partner. And as such, they really have the primary role. They've got the, the compass in their hand. They're, they're knowing where they want to go. And they set the direction and the actions of the partnership. And we come alongside and we help them. When they're saying, come and help us, we say, well, how can we help? What can we do? What can we bring to support you? What can we do to facilitate what God has called you, releasing you into that eternal destiny that John Tyson was talking about today? So I want to look at five key areas and then get some of the mission partnership leaders up to talk about some of those things. The first one is uh, coordination. You'll be glad to know that all of these begin with C. So it's uh, the five C's of working well together or playing nice together. So when it comes to coordination, the reason I put that up is we um, had the opportunity in the summer to uh, have a sailing holiday. And uh, I trained to become a a skipper, and then we uh, hired a sailboat. We were on sabbatical, and then we, we hired a sailboat and the first two weeks were pretty good, because everyone knew that what their different roles were. It was different when it was our family. Because all of a sudden, I was the captain. And we've got a 15-year-old who wants to go into the Navy. And he was like, I'll oh, just do anything, um, as long as it's like, power. <laughs> you know, at 15, it's like, all about the power. Um, but some of our crew <laughs> just wanted to sort of sit around and just enjoy <laughs> so the view. And, uh, but there's, if you've ever been on a sailboat, there's an element of working together that it's not just a, a pleasure cruise. It's really not. But there is an element <laughs> of, of working together. And so with, with the partnerships, it's how do we work together? Do people know what their different roles are? So for example, for us, when we're coming into Dock, or I said Park one time, and I got told off. But as you're coming to Moor Up at the end of the day, do people know how they're going to throw the ropes? Do they know how they're going to roll the ro- hold the ropes and put the ropes together so they don't get all tangled? Uh, does everyone know what their different roles are as you're dropping the anchor and all the rest of it? And with a partnership, do people know what the different roles are or is one person trying to do everything? Um, so, for example, with, with mission, it's questions like, well, why are we a team? What is our vision? Where are we going? What's the, what's the common goal? What are our objectives? What will we actually do? What's the the strategy? How are we going to get where we're getting there? How will we know where we've got there? Who's going to be responsible? What's going to be the responsibility of each member of the team? How are we going to communicate with each other? How are we going to handle conflict? How are we going to make decisions? I'm going to invite Andrew up in a moment, um, because I've got the slides wrong. Um, But it may be that you've got that particular idea... And so, if you're thinking about how do we develop a mission partnership, it may be that you've got that initial idea, you've got that initial dream, that initial thought, and it might be something as sim- simple as come over to help us. And it's like, well, what's the next step? And so, if somebody said to me, what we need is we need some simple steps to know how we go about developing a mission, because I think it's got more and more complicated as we try to cover everything. And so, I've tried to make some really simple st- steps. You may have a vision for a particular group or a particular nation or a particular place. At some point, you're probably going to journey there. Now, all the way through this line, there's going to need to be some communication with various different people. But at some point, you're going to be planning some journey. You're going to maybe travel there and uh, meet up with people. Then you're going to need to do an awful lot of prayer. And sometimes we forget how important intercession is and prayer is to really capture God's heart for this place and we we come at it in terms of all the strategy and all the thinking and we think oh yeah maybe we should pray maybe God's already got a plan um, in mind and then lots and lots of communication who are the right people to communicate with who are the people we need to talk to both on the ground both back here in the UK uh, talking to our pastors saying is my idea to go to this particular place is does that fit in with with your idea for where church is going. um, And then start to plan. And in that planning, getting all the the preparation that you need before you actually make that step. So as the missions team, we want to be able to support people in that journey, in that that process of what it means to develop a mission partnership. And if you're here and you're a mission partnership leader, um, I want to encourage you to think, where is that partnership going and how are you leading that in terms of developing it for the next stage? If you're a senior pastor here, um, I would love to have a conversation with you about where you can get involved with some of the partnerships that could really do with some help at the moment. I'm gonna skip over that. So if you look at Europe and into Eurasia, we've got uh, Portugal and Spain, which makes the Iberia um, partnership. We've got France and Italy. We've got the Baltic states. So Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania and then we've got the Persian world. And Andrew, would you be able to come up and just share just in terms of the coordination and the uniqueness that is the Persian world partnership? And at this point, I'm gonna ask
2: uh, the person who's editing
0: this to pause, thank you.
2: Thank you, yes, Uh, three restricted access countries. So we need to be very careful about what we say, but I was leading the Tajikistan partnership. We've been doing that for a few years but we had a family from our church working in Afghanistan and there was no partnership to cover them. So I wondered, should I ditch the Tajikistan partnership and start a new one? And felt God say that we should take on the Persian world. So three countries that have a common culture and language, but huge differences as well. And, so I, I chatted to the other, people, uh, the other people in the partnership. I think I probably spoke to Nick as well to see whether he thought it was all right. And uh, everybody thought that it was a good idea, which surprised me. So we, uh, we decided to do it. And um, immediately we started to find other people approaching us who were interested. So we had a uh, ministry trip planned for Tajikistan. And immediately people from Afghanistan and Iran who were leading underground churches asked if they could come and be with us. And so the first morning we were sitting around the dining room table and I was explaining the vision for the partnership. And I said that we are we are here to serve you guys uh, rather than to bring in something you know, our own agenda. And Cam, who leads our uh, work in Iran, said, can we just pause a moment? And he went on to explain to the Iranians who were there that uh, they were expecting you know, a, a group to come in from the West with an agenda, with big money, and that we would impose what we wanted. And, uh, and so he explained to them that we, we really do mean that we're here to serve, and so it's vital for us that we hear back from those three countries and from the people working on the ground. And they are the heroes, not the partnership leaders. Um, so we have, we have a very diverse partnership, uh, three very different countries, uh, four very different teams. So one team, uh, they can't go back into Iran because um, they have the death sentence on their head. Uh, so they're mentoring leaders in a situation that many of us would think of as revival. We have uh, a group in Afghanistan working with a mountain tribe, uh, and as far as we know, no one from that tribe or group of tribes has ever come to faith. And so they're doing a lot of work on the ground, a lot of relief and development, and uh, so everything in between. We also have the added uh, complexity of four U.S. vineyards, two U.K. vineyards, uh, a German vineyard, and uh, possibly another two countries who also want to get involved as well. So communicating cross-culturally has been interesting at times. And typically when we have our monthly conference call, the internet dies from Afghanistan. And so on a regular basis, we don't even get to hear from them in person. Uh, So we had a, a meeting we got together in Istanbul 18 months ago to form the partnership And we sat around the table for a couple of days to talk and we're going to have to do the same thing again. And some people are saying, well, surely that money would be better invested in, you know, relief for the poor. But uh, we need to invest some money in the relationships there. And that part of that, the communication is absolutely vital. So we have a, a monthly conference call. We have prayer emails that go backwards and forwards. We have to do the whole thing on encrypted Uh, services like Zoom, Proton and WhatsApp, Um, but so far God's been very good to us and we're very happy with it. So thank you, Nick. Uh,
0: Thank you. And uh, we'll have some time to pray at the end. It'd be really good to pray for each of the the partnerships. Um, There we go. If we move further east, um, we've then got the India and Sri Lanka uh, separate partnerships. Dave, would you be up for just sharing? I just sent you a text while Sandra was talking, saying you're you're up next. Um, <coughs> that's how organised we are. Um, just talk about some of the uh, maybe the, some of the challenges and some of the successes, and where up with the India partnership. Thank you. Um, okay. Well, um, I think one
3: key thing is this whole idea. If you are like me, the word missions paints a particular picture. In your head, or, you know, especially of uh, Westerners going over and doing their thing, and I think India is such a great, uh, w- great way to understand the way we ne- want to talk about missions now. Because for over two hundred years, India has been the centre, or been the focus of, of world mission, of Western mission. And there's some uh, statistic about if you are. With all the people who've gone over, and, and the, the way they did mission was, that, uh, you know, people would go over and they would run events or ministries over there until they retired and came back. Or they'd go and run crusades, you know, and people would respond. And they said, if you add up all the responses of, um, of people who had accepted Christ in those ways, it, the population of India three times over would be Christian. So um, it's just completely an ineffective way of, doing, uh, of reaching that country. And um, if you've ever walked around your you know, town or city uh, center and felt slightly overwhelmed about the number of people there and how you're going to reach that place, you should try walking around <laughs> anywhere in India. There's full of people, 1.3 billion people, uh, a, a country that is defined by the idea of worship. Um, yet so bound up in so many terrible ways uh, and just, you know, desperate for, for Jesus and, and some of the things that would bring with that. So uh, what's been exciting about being part of the Indian Partnership is, is learning actually how to reach a country like this. So they say for, for someone coming out of a Hindu background, it's five years of discipleship, they reckon. Five years of discipleship in a local church community context for people to, to understand what it means to be a Christian so you can never do that on one night in a crusade you know no matter how much power evangelism is going on um and so very much for us it is about partnering with local churches because they can do what we simply can't do uh so you know if you're thinking of going out uh india or anywhere else to go and get involved in a local church not try and start your own thing uh, or to do your own thing as part of empowering a local church so they can continue it Um, Is really good if you are a you know, if you have some responsibility in your church for stuff like this to get involved with a partnership rather than just you know, you may have a heart for a country and you can pick 100 different good causes that you could get involved with, but to get involved through churches is really good. And so, in India, you know, massive country, uh, 1.3 billion people, there's around 20 to 25 uh, vineyard churches there now. It's an uncertain number because it looks really different. It's become an increasingly a difficult country to be a Christian in. And so some of the things they're doing don't look like church. And they, as a nation, are really discovering new ways of, uh, of, of doing kingdom works that really does everything the church would do, but it doesn't get called church because it just slips under the radar then. Uh, and it's an exciting time. There's an increased sense of... of uh there 's this team there 's four indian couples who who oversee what 's going on in india real sense of combined uh connectedness and vision from them and uh what 's key at the moment as well is uh america 's got a long uh a long um history with with working with the indian vineyards the u k has as well i went over twenty years ago with a with a vineyard u k vineyard trip huh Yes, <laughs> and, um, and, um, and, and this is the first time we've just got to the point where the UK and the US are really working well together to, to coordinate what we're doing uh, together with the Indian guys. So it's exciting times. And uh, if you do want to join a partnership, I, I'm only going to put it out there. It is one of the best food
0: partnerships. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. So um, that's the back of Dave's head just there. That was uh, the Vineyard India National Leaders Conference uh, back in November. Um, up on stage there is a worship team from Hyderabad who are made up of students from Mozambique. Uh, and one of the goals they may have is to go back to Mozambique and do a vineyard church. And it's just, there is just such a, a wealth of experience there. We, um, what really struck me was that you've, you've got a whole generation of people stepping up and wanting to go into church planting. And just the potential in that room was just amazing. Uh, this is one of the um, vineyard... Um, one of the photos we took of the uh, poor vineyard leaders and other people that were uh, working there. Um, such a wonderful group of people. Those, those are some of my... You know, We, we meet so many here. So, you know, Andrew was saying this earlier. There are so many people out there just doing the work of the kingdom day in, day out... And we have such a, such a responsibility to come alongside them um, and help them. Uh, this was a small group meeting uh, in Shillong uh, where we're all uh, drinking tea. That was Pushpur on the left, who's just going out of view, who's married to Naresh on the right. And what struck me about that small group meeting is it was virtually identical to some of our small group meetings that we have in the UK. And I don't think that's a, a problem with kind of contextualization. It's just the 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 sense of family, the sense of uh, praying for one another, of opening up the Bible and really wrestling with uh, living out what it means to follow Jesus. Um, The second C, so the first one's coordination, the second one is communication, and in any partnership, uh, trust and friendship through healthy relationships are key. Uh, this is a quote from Phil Butler, and this is a book called Well Connected, which is a free ebook book um, which you can download as a, a PDF. He goes on to say, there is a need for greater clarity and understanding of the mission process without stifling creativity. We want to all be on the same page, but to have the freedom to doodle in the margins. We have to do better owning up to failures and mistakes and seeking forgiveness. Active, positive communication is the core of strengthening ownership and trust in your group and its collaborative process. Um, And I'll make these slides available um, somewhere. Um, One book that I've found really particularly helpful is one called um, The Culture Map by Erin Meyer. And she's done, I think she's done some TED Talks as well. And in terms of communication, she talks about low context and high context communication. So low context is all about, communication is precise, simple, and clear. Whereas in high-context situations, it's sophisticated, nuanced, and layered. And at the top of that slide, you've got like a, a scale of where different countries fit on those levels of communication. Uh, secondly, to say that low-context uh, countries, messages are expressed and understood at face value. Whereas in high-context cultures, messages are both spoken and read between the lines. Um, in low-context uh, situations, you have uh, repetition is appreciated if it helps clarify the communication. In high context cultures, messages are often implied but not plainly expressed. And uh, what she does is she takes... I'm trying to work out where where I've gone with that. She takes different um, cultures and maps them out. And it may be that I've just got the slides wrong. Um, I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, But in terms of communication, um, you've also got contextualising particular... Uh, situations and cultures. So if we were to take um, vineyard vision and values and you were to put them into culture A as opposed to culture B, they would start to take on some of the shape of that culture. So in culture A, it would start to look slightly different to what it would start to look like in culture B. And that's a really simplified view of contextualization. Um, but what we're trying to do is, is we're working with people from different cultures. And so the vision and values may look slightly different. They'll be the, the key sort of DNA, but some of the aspects might look slightly different in different cultures. So what Erin um, Mayer does in the culture map, she goes through these eight different scales. So communicating, evaluating, leading, deciding, trusting, disagreeing, and scheduling. Um, and then she plots out what it's like for different... Um, cultures. So the US and UK, we think, we're probably fairly similar. Um, but there's some things that are very, very different. So trust <laughs> looks very different um, in the US to uh, Great Britain. Uh, it's more task-based, maybe more towards relationship-based. With a country like India, it's even more relationship-based. Um, so I really recommend that as a book. Only gonna, I can try and make those available to you as well. Um, but when we're contextualizing things, we're working with uh, lots of different people from different cultures. And so communication and trust uh, is key. So, three things so far uh, coordination, communication, and then contextualization. And then, fourthly, uh, continuity. And in a moment, I'm going to ask Louise to come up. I can't see you, you're on the floor over there. Um, and to talk about the contextualization and the continuity. Um, with the Peru partnership. It is really warm in here, so it's just me.
4: Hi, I'm I'm probably one of those rare people that wasn't particularly looking to be involved in mission, but it came and found me, um, and just really changed my whole way of looking at God's world and his kingdom. We had uh, visitors to our church, they'd come for a a holiday break and they um, just hung out with us one Sunday evening. And what they didn't know is that as a church we'd been praying for a a mission connection. um, And we'd almost given up, just like every door we pushed didn't work. But we met these guys, they were from a vineyard in Peru, the only vineyard in Peru. There were two or three little church plants going on as well. And they said, um, would you come over and help us? And um and we said, Oh, well, you know, what, what is it that you need? And they said, Well, we're after the whole of Peru, really. We're in Lima, but we're after the the whole of Peru, and, and, and actually it's it's not just Peru, it's it's the whole of South America. Can you help us? And it was like the most exciting and overwhelming thing all at once. And so out of that was born the um the Peru Partnership, and we have just become the best friends with uh, the vineyard in Santa Anita. And, do you know, their culture is so different, and yet on the inside we are so the same. So there's all the contextualization stuff you've been talking about, but they love the Lord, and they serve the poor, and they're passionate about the Bible, and they're hungry for signs and wonders, and they just want to see the kingdom come. And so we, um, we were... Uh, I was fortunate to go to the first, um, honey, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, well done. He's, he's amazing. It was my husband. <laughs> uh, to the first Andean region um, uh, NLC, um, which was the five Andean countries. Uh, and, and just to be at the beginning of something, the birth of something. Uh, and then since then, we've taken um, a team back um, once a larger team and uh, once a smaller team, um, Chris and Maggie Parsons, who many of you know, who are uh, part of our church, have been back and done spiritual director, leadership uh, leadership training with some of the um, pastors in that Andean region. But the, So, you know, I could tell you about programs and stuff, but at the heart of it is this, um, the continuity. It's the connection that we have with people there on the ground. And that... Um, we have as much to learn from them as they have from us, And so what we've tried to lean into the whole way along is we're thinking about the Andean region, we're thinking about Peru, we're thinking about Lima, all of which are huge, but we also think about Santa Anita Vineyard, where there are mums and dads trying to bring up their kids to love the Lord. There are single mums um, who are struggling to make ends meet with their little ones. There are men and women coming into the church who've, um, you know, that they could nip down the road and see the witch doctor, but that they've heard that there's this guy Jesus down here who's doing some healing. And, um, and so we've, we've wanted to make it really personal. So we send uh, video greetings to one another um, on our church anniversaries. Um, we send uh, Easter cards to one another that never arrive at Easter. They always arrive at Christmas. And just all of those things. And so what we now have going is there's a bunch of people in our church that are on first name terms with a bunch of people in that church. And, and my guess is that for most of them, they'll never meet um, you know, it, it it costs quite a lot of money to get to Peru. Some of us have been fortunate to go, but I don't want to restrict it just so that Mark and I get to play, or Mark and I and those couple of people we take on our team, or, or some of their team we, we bring back. That continuity... Um, My my dream is is that it trickles right down into local churches. Um, So the last lot of posts that came, um, we don't use post anymore because it keeps getting lost. Um, So whenever anyone's going one way or the other, we we send them with a parcel. But we had a parcel back, and there were little cards written to, um, you know... uh, Dear whatever, one of our young youth, and she's 14, and it was from a 14-year-old girl there, and and it got a little bracelet attached, and it was written in broken English, and we're handing these out, and and guys at our end, uh, their eyes are filled with tears, because it's like, somebody on the other side of the world knows me, and now I know them, and God knows both of us, and there's a continuity, there's a kingdom continuity there, that's all about mission, and it's all about friendship, and and the it, it, it's that standing al- alongside one another, whether or not we can go. And so, our partnership, um, our partnership commitment is one percent of our income. It's not a huge amount of money, um, and we always ask. Uh, the, the Peruvian guys uh, in Santa Anita um, what they would like to do each year with the money last year we blew it and we spent two years worth because what they said was they wanted to come to our NLC so we're like we're blasted out for the next two years but um, next next year there'll be money back in the pot and we would just love for, for that pot to grow so if you want to join a partnership come to move but it's that continuity of friendship and hearts joining together across the world.
0: Thank you very much. One of the key things um, that we need to ensure that we're doing is when it comes to releasing national uh, movements is how do we make it sustainable? Uh, So in terms of continuity, there's also a sustainability. So uh, we want to make sure that uh, before places are released as a national leadership, that uh, they're self-propagating, that they've got disciples who are making disciples, that um, it's self-governing, that they're governing themselves locally, uh, that they're also self-supporting, that the finances are coming from within that particular culture. And that's sort of agreed uh, three sort of self-criteria that we have uh, before uh, movements are, are released as sort of a national association. Um, we're going to finish on coaching. So we've had coordination, communication, contextualization, continuity, and then coaching. I've asked uh, Tom and Ali just to come up and talk about some of that continuity and coaching in terms of Malawi. We're not going to do points. Okay, well, they're up there anyway. (laughs) Thank
5: you. Um, I just want to quickly go off-piste. If you're a mission partner and you're not... Um, you haven't been at the front. Could you just stand up? Because I know there are some people here that want to be linked in with mission partners. So it's easier if they actually re- visually recognise who you are. Anybody? Yeah, there's Alex. Okay, so uh, if you introduce yourself just quickly. In which country?
2: Yeah. So I'm I'm John from uh, from the Kenya partnership. Hello. Uh,
1: Alex and my wife, also Karen, uh, who's not here, but we are part of the French partnership.
5: So there we go. So there are, on the back of the uh, missions form, you'll see lots of, um, they're all listed there, but I just thought sometimes it's easier to put a face.
1: So yeah, so we're Tom and Ali, and um, we were invited on a mission trip in 1999. Some of you weren't even born then. And we went and thought, we'll go and do have a nice holiday. We went to Malawi, uh, served a church there for a couple of weeks, came back to London. And the following year, we went back. And like as Nick said, like, basically, one night we went to bed with English hearts. And the next morning, we woke up with Malawian hearts. And um, it's as simple as that. And then you have no choice. You know, literally, your world has changed forever. And I don't even remember signing anything. I didn't sign, you know, somewhere in my heart we did. And um, so we find ourselves 17 years later, 18 years later, uh, with a a ministry in Malawi, which um, is thriving. And some of the people in that ministry have decided last year that they were going to plant a vineyard. And we've, yeah, uh, another one has just sprung up a couple of weeks ago, even though we're trying to keep a lid on it a little bit. And so it's, um, it's really exciting. Um, so we're, we're not the food partnership. Definitely not. The food is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> but, we have the ca- but we do have the calendar lake. Days of the year long in miles, weeks of the year wide in miles. So if you like freshwater lakes, Malawi is a good place to come.
5: Are we on values now? Yeah. Uh, we're on values now. <laughs> Um, so, what is really, really important, and I, I know that some of you have touched on it already, but is um, values. So, it's just ensuring that what they are seeking from you is actually possible. It's realistic. Um, so, it's, it's just ensuring that you have the same shared values. So, just as Louise was sharing, they love Jesus. Everything about what they are, who they are, is the same, how they express it is different. You can work with that, but if your values are completely different, if they're seeking something from you that you just cannot give them, it's not really going to be a successful partnership. So you need to ensure that you're on a level playing field. If they're after vehicles and buildings, that's perhaps not something that you can offer them. That's something that someone else might be able to offer them, but you can offer them um, relationship, training, partnering, loving, walking alongside them. So make sure that you have got your values You've communicated what it is that you're expecting from each other. More critically, make sure you know what, you, um, what your values are, what it is that you are seeking, what it is that your motivation is for a partnership.
1: Yeah, and, and this is why mission is, is so accessible because you just have to be yourself. I mean, let's just bring this, you know, right down, like, everybody in here, like, just, you know, Go. Like, just go, be yourselves, love people. And, um, and we've had, you know, the most amazing time uh, together uh, with people, getting to know people. And honestly, it doesn't get much more complicated than that. If you can just keep it, keep the, the expectations low. And the wonderful thing about the vineyard is, you know, there's no rule book. But we are highly driven by our values. And that's why when, you know, I was in a, a meeting two years ago, people from all over Africa... And I was pretty nervous. I was like, what's this going to be like? You know, put me anywhere in Malawi. That's fine. That's my patch. Completely at home. But, you know, with these guys from Mozambique, Sudan, like, and it was just awesome. You know, you know when we worship this evening, you know, the sense of family is exactly the same. Exactly the same. And so that's why, you know, I'll just in, encourage you to, to get going, to get moving. What will we on to next.
5: Well, it's it's this good old um whatever the word is. When you when you write something and it does it it's supposed to be relationship not rescue. But there we are. I, I messaged it to Uh-oh. Nick and it's kind of whatever it's done. Um, so I can I um Two really great books, really briefly, that would be really helpful if you're embarking on thinking about how best to go about helping. Um, There is um, a book called When Helping Hurts, because sometimes, as Nick alluded to at the the beginning, that sometimes we can actually hurt those that we're trying to help. Um, And another one, Toxic Charity. Those are two great books that I would really encourage you to look at to enable us not to um, rescue, but to actually have a good relationship with those that we're seeking to serve
1: we 've seen it many times where you know the driver to go is, "I want to rescue people," or sometimes we're being invited, and people are saying, "Please rescue us." And we really want to try and kind of get away from that as much as possible because the, the father's generally not inviting us into those kind of contexts because there's a dysfunction there which you know the longer it carries on will morph into something quite strange um, so if you're interested in mission and, you know, somebody in your church, you know, the leadership says, do you know what? You know, have a sozo, have some counselling. Like, that's a hint that you might not be ready. Because in a pressure situation, you know, if you live in a third world country or you live abroad for three, five years, I mean, the pressure on you is massive. And, you know, big shout out to Phil and Lisa. Like, you guys are living under a massive pressure. You know, bless you. Like, we love you. We want to champion you. And, you know, you've chosen a really hard path. And we want to encourage you to look after yourselves and look after your family. So, um,
5: with all of that, we're now at number four, which is um, good questions. So, once, once those are the, your backdrop, um, in every conversation um, that you're having, you're asking good questions. So, you're asking the how. How are you going to do this? How are we going to do this? The what? What are you thinking? Always... What's been really helpful with us, with our team, is they, they're asking for answers from us and we rarely give them the answers because they, they have them, but you've just got to draw it out of them and they contextualise everything. Everything. So all your questions need to be open um, open questions. So if they say well, to you, well, what do you think we should do? And we'll go, well, asking a question back straight back to them, an open question. Very, very often they have the information, they've got it, they know. It's all about empowering So we don't have the answers, they have them, and we're just empowering and helping them with those answers. Um, Yeah, so a lot of our team, um, we've got single mums, we've got fishermen, we've got farmers, and they often, in the community, they're the lowest of the low, but it's just a bit about what John was talking about this morning. It's seeing something in them, and you're drawing it out. That, I think, is very much... What our role is is to draw out what perhaps other people don't see by asking lots and lots of questions.
1: And it is, you know, there's a it's a slow kingdom coming. You know, there's a, there's a lot of foundational work. You know, there is there is no massive rush. We want to build firm foundations, build good relationships, and you know, mission is such such a big word. And but my encouragement is like just just. You know, speak to people, say, you know, next time you're going, like, can we come along? And if you're you know the church you're part of, if you're not if your church isn't part of a partnership, you know, say to your senior pastor, you know, is there an opportunity for us to to belong to a partnership? You know, where's our place in the vineyard family to be investing in vineyards and you know NGOs and a variety of other things abroad? We want to be holistic.
0: Thank you very much. So, if you're thinking about um, going overseas, if you're thinking about uh, developing a partnership, please come and talk to us. There's a wealth of knowledge with our mission partnership leaders, and we would be able to uh, give you some advice um, and just help you to help others. And that email address is also in the back of the brochure. So it just leads me to just ask: Where is Jesus calling you to serve? And it's not a coincidence that you've chosen to be in this room. God's obviously put a heart for the nations or a particular nation or a particular group in your heart. And maybe this is the moment to say, God, Jesus, what are you you saying? Where are you calling me to serve? What does that look like? Um, And then lastly, uh, our Partnering with God conference is going to be um, in June 22nd to the 23rd, We'd love it if you could all uh, sign up and come along. We're going to unpack a lot of this a lot more uh, over that time together on the Friday evening and uh, the Saturday. So I think what we'll do is if um, you're feeling at the moment that God's particularly speaking to you during this conference about serving overseas, would you mind just standing up? You might not have it all, all together, but there's something there. And you're saying, God, what is that? I need to get some clarity. Um, And so if you're sitting near any of these people that are standing up right now, if you can go over and just ask them their name. Maybe you know their name already. um, And just start praying. You don't have to know the story. In fact, sometimes it might help, because I think God is uh, speaking to some of you prophetically for some of these people. So we've got plenty of time just to go over there, go and uh, rest a hand on them, bless them, ask God for greater clarity, release that eternal destiny that God has placed in those people. And if you've got any questions, by all means, come up and talk to myself or Tom and Ali or any of the other mission partnership leaders that will be at the front. And you can pick up one of the brochures, which will be at the back by the door or some of those flyers. So thank you very much.